the brains behind Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Mr. Reagan. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not really the congresswoman of New York's 14th congressional district. She is essentially an actress. She's merely playing the part of a New York congresswoman. I know this sounds crazy, but bear with me. In 2017, a group called the Justice Democrats held auditions for potential congressional candidates that they would run on their platform for various congressional seats throughout the country. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's brother, Gabriel, submitted her for the role. Now, I've auditioned for many acting roles in my day. I've also cast many of my own projects. I know how this works. If you find somebody with star power, even if they don't 100% fit the part, you go with it. Obviously, AOC has star power. Just look at her. She's a superstar, the most famous person in Congress, maybe ever. Their casting was perfect. Now, I didn't have to go digging for evidence for this because they freely admit it. They brag about it. Back in 2016, we put out a call for nominations. We got over 10,000 nominations. Out of those 10,000 nominations, we found Alexandria. My brother told me that he had sent my nomination in the summer, but I was like literally working out of a restaurant. And I was like, there's no way. A casting call. They had a casting call. They cast Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the role of Congresswoman. And they did this so they could promote their own agenda. In this video, I'm going to make three very serious accusations against Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. One, she did not actually run for Congress. Two, she is a puppet Congresswoman. And three, the people controlling her are very dangerous. The first point I have already made, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did not run. She was run. What I mean by that is Alexandria did not take it upon herself to run for Congress. She was used by this group, the Justice Democrats, as a figurehead through which they could gain control of New York's 14th Congressional District House seat. These guys not only scripted and produced AOC's beautiful campaign video, but they organized the entire grassroots campaign effort. They handled all the fundraising, the social media, the get-out-the-vote effort. They turned Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez into a brand, and they used that brand to take control of that House seat. The people of New York did not elect a Puerto Rican girl from Brooklyn to represent them. They elected an Indian guy from Texas and a white guy from Tennessee. Now, let's move on to my second accusation. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a puppet congresswoman. AOC does not make her own policy decisions. She does not decide which way she votes on legislation. She defers completely to her team. This is a serious claim, I know, but consider the following evidence. This is a video of Corbin Trent, one of Alexandria's top advisors, speaking with Zach Alexi, the Sololinsky-style strategy expert who organized much of AOC's campaign. Corbin Trent is now Alexandria's top congressional aide. And what's the stat that we were looking at earlier about... Uh, about how much people are making? Yeah, about, about low-income people and yeah. how big of a percent of our they society make that is now. percent uh, Well, people that make uh, yeah. $19,999 a year or less. So people that make $20,000 a year or less... Uh, make up right around 40% of Americans, right? So it's 40% of Americans make less, less than 20,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 60 million people make less than, th than $20,000 a year. 200 million Americans make less than $20,000 a year. 
That's 40% of this country. 40% of Americans make less than 20,000. That's 40% of this country. These guys are coaching her. They're scripting everything she says. You notice when she goes off script because she suddenly starts babbling incomprehensibly. The girl in this next clip is now the head of the Justice Democrats. Her name, Alexandra Rojas. Really, I think a big anchor piece is the Green New Deal and talking about it in a frame of social, racial, and economic justice and uh, a mobilization of our economy and our society at the scale of what we did during World War II. The Green New Deal, how is that going to be different? I think what we're calling for is a mobilization of our economy, of our society, on the scale that we haven't seen since World War II. Like, this is the war, this is our World War II. It's clear that AOC is being coached on absolutely every policy point she makes. And if this is not enough to give you pause, consider that the Green New Deal was drafted in one weekend by her staff. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had zero to do with it. As far as I could find, she wasn't even in the room. Now, this is AOC's landmark legislation proposal. It essentially sums up her entire platform and lays out everything she wants to do in Congress. She didn't even participate in the drafting of the legislation. And again, these people aren't even trying to cover this up. They're proud of it. Again, AOC is a figurehead, a mouthpiece. The congressional seat is being operated behind the scenes. Old interviews show that the Justice Democrats initially declared that they wanted candidates of substance. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was a bartender. Now, who is more useful to an evil organization trying to take over Congress? A principled politician who happens to align with their views? Or a pawn? A malleable innocent who they can manipulate? Somebody completely ignorant of politics who must rely wholly on them to direct all her political positions, statements, and votes? AOC has had enough embarrassing gaffes to know that if she goes off script, it hurts. It can humiliate her. So she has become absolutely dependent on the instruction of her handlers. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seems like, to anyone unfamiliar with her arrangement, like a bit of an enigma. Most of the time, she seems to bumble along with no apparent idea about what she's doing. But sometimes she says and does things that seem kind of brilliant. Let's play a lightning round game. I'm going to be the bad guy, which I'm sure half the room would agree with anyway. And, um, and I want to get away with as much bad things as possible, ideally to enrich myself and advance my interest even if that means putting, uh, putting my interests ahead of the American people. The limits that are placed on me as a Congresswoman, compared to the executive branch and compared to, say, the President of the United States, would you say that Congress has the same sort of standard of accountability? Um, in terms of laws that apply to the president, mm-hmm. yeah, there's just almost no laws at all that apply to the president. So I'm being held, and every person in this body is being held to a higher ethical standard than the president of the United States. That's right, because there are some committee uh, ethics committee rules that apply to you. And it's already super legal, as we've seen, for me to be a pretty bad guy. So it's even easier for the President of the United States to be one, I would assume. That's right. Thank you very much.
This is initially what got me thinking, who's pulling the strings here? Who's the man behind the curtain? I went to CPAC last week, as some of you know, in Washington, D.C., and I met a lot of people in politics. Occasionally, uh, somebody would bring up AOC. I always took this opportunity to ask one question. Who's really running the show? Who's the brains behind Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? One guy had an answer. He grabbed his phone, he pulled up a Politico article, and he shoved it into my hand. That's who. He said, the man behind the curtain is this guy, Saikat Chakrabarty. Saikat was AOC's campaign manager and is now her chief of staff. Saikat came out of Harvard and worked as an organizer for the Bernie Sanders campaign. This guy doesn't really have the charisma to run for office himself. He's a little awkward. He might have Asperger's or something like that. He kind of reminds me of Daniel Radcliffe, actually. But don't let his disarming awkwardness fool you. He's been an extremely effective political operative. He's got some terrifying political influences, and he's suspected of committing some severe campaign finance violations. But we'll get into all that later. Saikat Chakrabarty is a sinister character, and hearing more about him later will give you chills. But the man who hired him to head up the Justice Democrats will horrify you, if you can even believe it. The mastermind behind it all... Jank Uger of the Young Turks. Now, this may all sound completely nuts, like a big conspiracy theory, but the Justice Democrats was heavily promoted on the Young Turks. We have video evidence from the inception through into the campaigns. I think they have maxed out on incompetence. So that is why we must choose a new path. And that is what we embark upon today. What we need to do is take over the Democratic Party. And as Martin Luther King said when he did the Civil Rights Movement, he said he was doing it not just to help African Americans, but to save the soul of America. Here we're going to try to save the soul of the Democratic Party by boarding the Democratic Party's ship and taking it over. How are we going to do that? We're going to run strong progressives. From now on, there will be a new wing of the Democratic Party, and it will be the Justice Democrats. We will seek social justice, economic justice, racial justice, and plain old justice, justice. Now you might think, if, if Cenk wanted influence in government, why didn't he just run? If Saikot Chakrabarty wanted influence in government, I mean, despite his awkwardness, why didn't he run? Why put up AOC? The goals of this group are far grander and far more sinister than simply electing a single congresswoman to office. The goals are to take over the Democratic Party, eventually take control of Congress, and in turn, control the United States. And I know all of this sounds completely insane, but they have expressed their intentions very clearly on camera. We're going to run hundreds of candidates, and we're going to primary all the de establishment Democrats. So we're not going to be like, oh, is it Chuck Schumer? Maybe yes, maybe no, right. right? No, it's a hard no. But wait a minute now. Are you really going to primary vulnerable Democrats? Yeah, that's the whole point. If in 2018 we don't achieve our grand vision of, of a wholesale change in two years, which is very, very hard, we know that, right? You get, are you kidding me? If you got six, let alone 12, let alone 24 people in Congress, you know what would happen in Washington? People would freak the hell out. They'd be like, oh my God, what in the world? These guys that had no money to begin with, no nothing to begin with, just put... 24 people in Congress. Look, we want hundreds. We want, to, we want to replace Congress. In an article in Politico, one journalist wrote, the group's criteria for picking primary targets is unclear and at times contradictory. Yeah, that's because their goal is not ideological. 
Their goal is control and power. Washington doesn't care about beseeching. That's not how it works. They care about power. So primaries are an exercise in power. It's way past time that progressives exercise their power in this country. And that's exactly what these guys are doing. Waleed Shaheed, communications director for the Justice Democrats, has said, you can tacitly support Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, and we still might primary you because there's enough energy in the district to find somebody more charismatic and compelling who is actually going to be a movement builder. Now, you know why they might primary you? Because they don't own you. And maybe they found somebody that they think can beat you and that they can control, another AOC. Even Ilhan Omar has said it's quite inappropriate for groups to decide on whether or not somebody deserves to represent their district. Those decisions need to come from the people that we represent. And Ilhan Omar was actually endorsed by the Justice Democrats after she won her primary. The reason more people aren't speaking out against this completely unethical political tactic is that nobody knows it's happening. I mean, you might be asking, if all these guys are so corrupt, if what they're doing is so obviously sinister, why hasn't anybody else reported on it? Their tactics have been extremely different to anything seen in the U.S. before, and that's probably why nobody has copped on to what they're doing yet. Also, mostly what they're doing is annoying Democrats, so conservatives haven't paid all that much attention. The first thing the Justice Democrats did was to try to primary Democratic incumbents. What that means is they would mount primary campaigns against incumbent Democrats, establishment Democrats already in Congress that they didn't like. This, as far as I can tell, was Jank Uger's idea. Basically, the concept was, since many establishment Democrats weren't progressive enough, i.e. socialist, the Justice Democrats would nominate their own candidates to mount a primary challenge. One of the guys they didn't like was Joe Crowley, the guy that they put AOC up against. He had been in Congress for 20 years. Other members of Congress have reached out to AOC to try to convince her to stop primarying establishment candidates, but they're reaching out to the wrong person. AOC does not control the show. They should be trying to convince Saikat Chakrabarti. He's the one AOC takes her orders from. But Jenk and Saikat's plan is not to win a couple of congressional seats. It's total congressional domination. Look, we want hundreds. We want to, we want to replace Congress. Basically, Jenk's plan in creating the Justice Democrats was to replace all the Democrats in Congress with his own people. Radical leftists, socialists, people who would fall in line with his ideology. And he did it. He actually did it. Now, Jenk comes up with a, a clever quip from time to time, and he's been able to create a very successful propaganda platform with the Young Turks. But if you've ever watched him, you know he's not exactly a genius. He, he talks and acts more like a two-bit thug than a political pundit. So how did he do it? He hired geniuses. He brought in the top guys from the Bernie campaign. The Bernie campaign was unprecedented in their grassroots success. They were brilliant. I actually did a lot of research on this, and the keys to their success are equal parts nefarious and creepy, but they are, nevertheless, very effective. And you gotta hand it to Jenk. Bringing these guys on was a brilliant move. Fresh from the Bernie campaign with nothing to do, they must have been itching to tackle a new left-wing political project. So Jenk had this crazy idea. Replace all the Democrats in Congress with his own hand-picked radical left socialists. And he had a brilliant idea. Get the geniuses from the Bernie campaign to do it for him. And they did it. They succeeded. Perhaps not as well as they wanted, but it did work. And that is terrifying. Of the guys that Jenk brought in from the Bernie campaign, the two most important, from what I could find, were Saikot Chakrabarti 
and Zach Exley. Psychot seems to be the philosophical core of the operation, and Zach Exley is the organizational mastermind. Zach Exley is basically an expert on Sololinsky-style community organizing, and both he and Psychot are tech guys. They're very experienced with social media campaigning. Now, they did a great job in 2018, but make no mistake, these guys are not content with their 2018 victory. They're playing a long game here. 2018 was just the beginning. They'll redouble their efforts in 2020, 2022, 2024, at which time I am 100% convinced that they will run somebody for president. For the 2018 elections, the Justice Democrats endorsed 79 candidates. 26 of them won their primary elections. Seven of them won in the general election and are now in Congress. Most of these people's names I can't even pronounce. Raul Grijalva, Ro Khanna, Ayan Presley, Pramila Jayapal, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Of these seven, three were chosen through the audition process and are, as far as I can tell, puppets of the Justice Democrats, Saikat Chakrabarty, and Najank Uger. These candidates are Ayan Presley, Rashida Tlaib, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Imagine if they run not 79 candidates, but 200 or 400 or 1,000. At their current rate of success, they would get 88 House seats, and if they improve their techniques, they might get more, including Senate seats. The first screenplay I ever wrote, I was 15, it was about a future in which a megalomaniac was trying to take over the U.S. government. He was trying to do this by installing puppet politicians throughout the U.S. Congress, giving him a majority, and in the climactic point in the movie... His puppet president is also elected. So in my screenplay, this uh, villain effectively gains control over the U.S. government through these politicians who are loyal to him. I never thought that this fiction that I wrote as a teenager would ever become reality. It's completely crazy, but it looks like this has actually started to happen. Jank Uger is no longer formally associated with the Justice Democrats or AOC's congressional team, but whether or not he still holds influence over these people is unknown. What is known is that these people are dangerous. Zach Exley is a radical left open borders guy who was once a fellow at the Open Borders Foundation, which is George Soros' organization. And he seems to be the least extreme of these guys. Cenk Uger calls his organization the Young Turks. The Young Turks is named after a group of Turkish revolutionaries formed in 1911 who slaughtered 1.5 million people in the Armenian Genocide. So we know where Jenk's influence is at. Saikat Chakrabarti is influenced by this guy, Subhas Chandra Bose. How do we know this? Because he wears this Che Guevara-style shirt with Subhas Chandra Bose's face on it in most of his videos. That seems like a pretty deliberate choice. At first, I actually thought it was his own face. I was like, why is this guy wearing a shirt with his own face on it? That's... Crazy narcissistic. <laughs> but then I figured out it was this Subhas guy. So who is Subhas Chandra Bose? He was the violent complement to the non-violent Mahatma Gandhi. Yes, the legendary Gandhi. Whilst Gandhi was trying to expel the British from India non-violently, this guy was like, no, let's start a war and let's kill them all. Actually, it was worse than that. Much, much, much worse. Subhas called himself a socialist, but he is quoted as saying... Our philosophy should be a synthesis between Nazism 
and communism. Another important thing that we need to recognize about Subhas is that he was an anti-colonialist. Now, we're not super familiar with this political perspective here in the US, but in India, anti-colonialism causes deep resentment to this day. This is explained in the documentary film 2016, Obama's America. In this film, Dinesh D'Souza explains anti-colonialism and shows how these ideas influence Barack Obama because, and this is the scary part, the United States is founded on colonialism. To the anti-colonialist, the US is an evil empire that colonized North America. The United States is the enemy and is to be fought, is to be resisted, torn down. This is the guy that Saikot Chakrabarti, AOC's chief of staff, wears on his t-shirt, a pro-violence, anti-colonial socialist who dreamed of a Nazi communist government. This is the man behind the curtain. This is the brains behind AOC. It's definitely scarier to me that he's not a congressman, but that he is the man behind the curtain. There is no accountability for the man behind the curtain. If AOC falls from grace, he can just hire another actress. There are no term limits to being the guy behind the curtain. When I got back from CPAC six days ago, Saikot Chakrabarti was in the news for the first time ever. I was surprised because I'd never heard of him until I went to Washington. As it turns out, he has been flagged recently for diverting at least $1 million in campaign donations from the political action committee that he was running to shell companies that he set up. At the moment, it's unclear whether he was embezzling the money or just hiding it from FEC oversight. Either way, it looks like he's in trouble. For a guy who claims to be trying to get money and influence out of government, he doesn't seem to mind leveraging those tools himself. You, you may have heard something about this. What you probably haven't heard about is AOC's sinister living wage rules. So AOC announced a little while ago that she was going to cap her congressional staff's pay at 80000 so that she could pay her bottom-level staff a living wage and her interns $15 per hour. But here's the thing. AOC's living wage rule allows her staff to dodge financial disclosure laws. Under federal law, congressional employees who earn over $126,000 per year must disclose all of the outside money that they earn. Because AOC's top staff will not be making over $126,000 per year, they will not be subject to this law. I wonder who came up with this brilliant scheme, Saikat Chakrabarti. I know it wasn't the bartender. This team of guys who got AOC elected and who are now pulling the strings of her congressional seat declared at the outset that they were trying to bring integrity into government, transparency, to flush out the corruption. Well, it looks like they're trying in every way they possibly can to hide their own activities. They say that sunlight is the best disinfectant. I say it's about time we pulled the curtain all the way back on this particular wizard and all of his friends. Oh, and just remember, the next time you see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's fake. She's a fraud. She's not real. None of her tweets are actually her tweets. None of her speeches are her speeches. Her answers to questions and in interviews, she was coached to give those. She's not a real congresswoman. She's an actress. All right, that's it for me. If you like this episode, hit the like button. If you want to see more like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, you're probably Saikot Chakrabarti or Jank Uger because hopefully I just tore down your evil plot for world domination. <laughs> Good night. We have so many people who can't see a fat man standing beside a thin one without coming to the conclusion the fat man got that way by taking advantage of the thin one. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Now... 